0: Blue wire.
1: Touchdown pass, by 4 0
0: in the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, look at him, dark back and forth, oh, he broke his ankles, he is Houdini. Watson stays on his feet. Welcome to another episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I am your host, Ari Merov, and after a week of craziness with signings and trades and all that stuff, things have calmed down in the football world a little bit. I hope everyone is staying safe out there. What is happening in the real world is obviously not pretty, but as for the football We have Jordan Schultz of ESPN joining the podcast this week as we recap all the big moves that happened over the last week in the National Football League. We talked about Brady and Gurley and Hopkins, Diggs, Rivers, Cam, which teams have improved, which teams have been a disappointment so far, and much, much more. Before we go to Jordan, a quick word from our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. With currently no NBA, no NHL, no MLB, really no sports, you might think that there is nothing to bet on. Well, you are wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. It is all open 24 hours a day and it is all online. And that includes their $750,000 poker series. Visit their website betonline.ag and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E bet online your online wagering experts. So now here is my discussion with Jordan Schultz of ESPN. One of the main reasons why I wanted to get Jordan on the podcast this week was because he was breaking news left and right during free agency over the last week. I mean, he broke Todd Gurley to the Falcons, he reported Desmond Trufant to the Lions, he reported Malcolm Jenkins to the Saints. I mean, after we finished recording this episode, he broke Kyle Allen getting traded to the Redskins. So he has been all over the place breaking stuff. So let's just get him on, talk some ball. So here it is, my discussion with Jordan Schultz of ESPN. Alrighty, joining me now on the My Sports Update football podcast. He is an NFL insider, NBA insider. He is the co-host of the Pull-Up Pod with Portland Trailblazers star C.J. McCollum. You see him on ESPN, on ESPN+. Plus. It is Jordan Schultz. Jordan, how are you?
1: All right, I'm doing great, all things considered. You know, it's a very strange time, but um, sports is uh, is always a good distraction, you know?
0: Right, exactly. It's a very different time in the world, as you said, but um, sports is a good way to escape out of all of that while people are staying home, self-quarantining and all of that. So let's get right into it here. And we're going to start with the biggest news that happened here in NFL free agency. It is Tom Brady, because I, I still feel like many people are still having a hard time digesting the fact that Tom Brady will be a Buccaneer next year. I'm still waiting for someone to report as to why he left New England after 20 years and six Super Bowls to a team that has not made the playoffs since 2007. Why do you think he would choose Tampa Bay?
1: You know, I think this is something that we won't get used to until we actually see him in uniform, whenever that may be. And, And even then, it'll be really strange. But I'm not convinced, um, Ari, that New, New England wanted him back as much as the media uh, or as much as the Patriots have wanted the media to portray. And I'm also not convinced that, that Tom wanted to be uh, back with New England and playing for Bill Belichick. I think when it comes down to the Patriots, it's such a specific way of operating a franchise. And, you know, obviously they've been tremendously successful. But when you're there, it's it's the Bill Belichick show. And. You know they—they've never. Brady has consistently taken pay cuts. We know that they weren't going to pay him what he believed he was worth this season, and moving forward. And you know their contingency plan has always been with, with free agents and with trades. It's always been you know don't don't pay a guy too late. And Brady's been the one exception because he's been been able to have so much success. You know in, well into his 40s. But you know when you think about Tampa, it's an, it's an organization that's it's obviously not been successful. As you said, they haven't been in the playoffs in, in 12, 13 years. And you know it's not, it's just not a traditionally sound franchise, but here's what they do have. They have a great young defense. They brought back Shaq Bear, who led the NFL in sacks. Uh, they obviously re-signed Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, they have a really good young secondary and the, the weapons for Tom Brady are so much better than what New England has. You know, you think about OJ Howard and Cameron Brate who they just restructured his deal. You obviously have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, two 1,000-yard receivers. The only real question mark I have for Tampa is the offensive line, and and I would assume they address that in the draft. So, you know, with that being said, it's it's a fan base that's desperate for success. You know, he stays relatively close to home, and he has a chance to, I I don't want to say, like, prove anything, but he, he can win without Bill Belichick, and I think he can do it right away.
0: Right. How do you think it will work out in Tampa Bay? Because I look at this division with New Orleans and Atlanta and even Carolina. I mean, when you were in the AFC East, you always had the Buffaloes and Miami's and the jets who I don't want to say dysfunctional, but they've had, you know, they've had their struggles, but this is a division that has always been talked about as one of the best in the NFL. How do you think it works out in Tampa Bay for Tom Brady? I,
1: I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I think two years, uh, fully guaranteed 50 million. So he's excited about that with, with almost sixty million in incentives, so financially he feels taken care of. I think when you consider the division, um, it is very tough. I think mean, Carolina is going to take a step back, but I do love Atlanta. Uh, what they've done, and, and New Orleans is going to be really good. To your point, but I think they're a nine-win team, ten-win team. I believe it's a playoff team, and you know they were seven and nine last year. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that. All nine of those losses came by eight points or less, That's and right. you think about Jameis Winston throwing thirty picks. You know, I mean, he he was so bad in some of those games down the stretch, and I I felt like Tampa was a was an average was an average quarterback in terms of you know like a Teddy Bridgewater type, let alone a Tom Brady away from from being a playoff team. And, and Jameis's stats, aside from the interceptions, were amazing, but his turnovers and the pick sixes were were record breaking. We've never seen anything like it, and he cost. Tampa, I count at least four games. So you bring in Tom Brady, you upgrade you know, some of the other weapons. I, I think Tampa's got a great shot to go, like I said, 9-7, and 10-6, in a very good division. But, um, you know, they have a really good away schedule. Their home schedule's brutal. But away, they, there's plenty of opportunities for wins there. And assuming they can keep Tom Brady upright, which I believe they will invest everything possible at this point moving forward, especially in the draft, I think Tampa's got a shot to win to probably overachieve and and certainly overachieve in terms of the Vegas uh, number, which I think is at eight and a half.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned Jameis Winston and obviously with Tom coming to Tampa Bay, he needs to find a new home. And as of this recording, Winston is still a free agent. Is there a team out there in the NFL that you think makes sense for Jameis Winston?
1: Well, you know, he's, he's a little late now. Uh, Same thing with Cam Newton, where, you know, some of these spots have been filled up. A lot of these spots have been filled up. You know, we, we've talked about Bridgewater, obviously Carolina, Nick Foles is in Chicago. You know, even a team like the chargers in theory makes sense, but they have to Rod Taylor, someone that can, you know, keep you competitive. And I think when, so when you think about like Brady going back to Tampa or going to Tampa, and what that means, like it gives you this, this like instant credibility, right. For, for other free agents, it brings a winning culture. You know, Jameis hasn't had that. You know, he he's had some gaudy stats, but he's known as someone that's extremely inconsistent. Uh, you know, very Jekyll and Hyde, a hard worker he is known as that, but he just hasn't been able to find that success. Same thing with Mariota to a lesser degree. So, you know, I I think that like I would say the Chargers in theory, and I I know that they want to draft a quarterback, but if you think about what they need right now, you know, the upside for someone like Jameis or Cam even is is a lot higher than, than Taylor. Now th- there's been talk that the Chargers wouldn't want to sign Cam. I don't know, or, or Jameis for that matter. I don't know if um, that's changed now since uh, since the Tom Brady going to the Bucs. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, I think with Carolina and Cam, obviously – I said, sign to, to trade for, but I, there's just not a lot of leverage for those quarterbacks because it's dried up a little bit.
0: Right? Is there so most likely we'll see both those guys probably taking backup spots for Cam Newton specifically. You mentioned the Chargers. Is there a team that you think that he could?
1: I mean, possibly- Miami. You know, I, I I've, I've talked about Miami. You know, because they don't like. I, I know. I I would assume that they want to draft a quarterback. Obviously, Josh Rosen's there. I, I, there's just not a lot of spots that instantly jump off. Like if, if I go through teams that need a quarterback right now, you have the draft and it's a very good quarterback draft in theory, you know, I mean, just go, go through the divisions. Uh, the, the only, the only team that like jumps out to me that we haven't really talked about. And I'm not sure they would go this route is New England. I mean, in theory, you know, Cam Newton would make sense there because they can run the, Ball. They can lock in with that defense, which is very good. And, um, you know, Cam Cam's question mark right now isn't whether or not he, he's a good football player. It's the it's the matter of health. You know, he's had a lot of shoulder problems. He's taken a lot of hits. Uh, he, he's, he should be in the prime of his career. But, Ari, it feels like he's in his mid-late 30s. And really, he's he's 30 years old. But it, it just feels like he's taken so many hits. And um, I, I'm just not sure how fast that will develop for him the market. There's no question him and Jameis will find homes. But to your point, I think Jameis goes into a position where he's probably like a 1B, uh, where he can have an opportunity to, to come in and play, at least at some point. And I think Cam goes in in, in a similar position where you know, it's a quarterback situation that's fluid. But both of those guys will be on rosters. It's just a matter of you know, how, how long it takes. But I think they'll both have opportunities to play next year.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, they'll be on teams next year for sure, but where is the question? And every time someone brings up Cam Newton, the first thing I think about is the LA Chargers because, first of all, Cam is a mobile quarterback, Anthony Lynn wants a mobile quarterback, they have a new stadium, they have to fill up seats, they need some buzz and Cam Newton is the guy who can get that job done. I mean, I could see fans in Los Angeles wearing the powder blue Cam Newton jerseys. That will sell. That will sell you tickets. Tyra Taylor is not selling you tickets. That is my problem with the Chargers right now is that the quarterback room that they have right now is not a quarterback room that will sell them tickets for their new state-of-the-art stadium. So I think Cam Newton would actually fit in perfectly with the Chargers. Both sides have already done a trade this offseason, right, with the Russell O'Kung for Trey Turner deal. So maybe they could do some more business. But again, only time will tell. Let's stick with the quarterbacks here, Jordan. Which other quarterback move really intrigues you? We obviously saw Rivers to the Colts. Teddy to Carolina, Nick Foles was traded to Chicago. Which move is the one you're going to be watching really closely?
1: I'm really interested in a couple of them. For one, Rivers to Indianapolis, you know, hasn't like it didn't seem to generate the same level of buzz that I felt it should. And the reason I say that is because you know he he he's going to work with a system that should be very good for him. They have a, a great offensive line. He's he he won't have to worry about running around like he did. And, uh, in in L.A. last year, and he has – like, they have some weapons there, namely in T.Y. Hilton, who, who can absolutely be a stud across the middle for him with all those patented crossing routes, and they will adapt the offense to him. But they're still going to be a running team. Marlon Mack is, is as good a young running back as there is in the league. They they definitely need to draft another receiver for him, but I, I think Indianapolis is is really close because if you think about Brissett last year, he had a good start, and then he really wavered down the stretch. He was injured. They, but he, he he killed them down the stretch. Like, he, he just – he wasn't healthy and it was a totally different team once he started throwing the ball away and, and really got, got became an interception machine and fumble guy. So, Rivers is, is going to take shots and he'll throw picks, but he'll he'll create a stability for Indianapolis that, you know, they haven't had since Andrew Luck. So, I, I'm excited to see what the Colts do. I think that division is, is now, especially with Houston trading away Hopkins, I think that division is very winnable. And then you mentioned Bridgewater with Carolina – you know it's not the sexiest move but it does give Matt Rule you know somebody that can come in and you know I think Chris Simms said it my guy at Bleacher Report like he's not going to lose you games you know he might not win you a lot of games but he at least gives you a professionalism in the building that a lot of teams would love to have and so I think those two stood out to me a lot you know obviously there's been a lot made about Nick Foles in Chicago but um, I'm still not sure what to make of that quarterback room because They would love, absolutely love Matt Nagywood if if Mitchell Trubisky could become the guy he was more of his rookie year, but obviously they're not convinced that he's going to be that guy.
0: Right, and the Chicago situation is one that is very interesting because Nick Foles does have a lot of familiarity with those coaches there, but I do agree with you that they want to see more out of Trubisky. Now, moving on from all these quarterbacks, let's go to the running backs for a second. Last Thursday, the Rams cut Todd Gurley. And the very next morning, you broke the news, you were first to report it, that Gurley was signing a one-year deal with the Atlanta Falcons. How did this deal happen so fast, especially considering the knee issue, which I thought teams would be concerned with?
1: Yeah, this was really interesting to me, you know, because it, it did come together really fast. And, you know, there was a thought that Miami was really interested and then they obviously signed Jordan Howard. You know, I think there's a couple factors. For one, Gurley, the, the trade market for Gurley didn't materialize because there would have been a $13 million cap hit, for example, on Atlanta. So the, everybody knew it and, and they knew that, that the Rams didn't want to pay him that guaranteed money the next day on Friday. So they just waited and and stood put when that happened, then the market opened up specifically for Atlanta to go out and, and really strongly consider signing him. You think about him playing his football, Georgia, just down, just down the road in Athens, Um, you know, and, and, and Thomas Dimitrov, the last two real big free agent running backs he signed was, was Steven Jackson, in 2013 and Michael Turner in 08, who ended up, you know, scoring 60 touchdowns and made two Pro Bowls. I think that's what we're going to see more from Gurley. Is this, you know, revamped player who is still very young, at 25 years old, and by the way, has played in 73 of 80 regular season games. He's been very durable. Last season, he had under 900 yards and wasn't the same player. But there's a lot of tread left on those tires. I think the Falcons were really happy that his usage was way down last year. They feel like he'll be extremely motivated coming home, if you will. Um, and, and they want to go back to that kind of Super Bowl play action offense. When they had Freeman, when they had Coleman, they were, they were rolling out Matt, Matt Ryan a ton. He was very comfortable with, um, you know, being in, in and outside the pocket. Now they don't have Austin Hooper. Okay, well, they trade for Hayden Hurst. And now they get a guy in Todd Gurley who can at least be a two-down guy, but hopefully a three-down back. They have Edo Smith, who they like. And it's a one-year prove-it deal for Gurley, but he still gets paid $11 million because of that. The Rams are paying him basically five and a half. So you think about that, he gets paid as a top three running back, but not all by Atlanta. He's coming uh, back to where he played college ball. He'll be extremely motivated to get paid in a year when he's 26. And he goes to an offense that's going to feature him. So I think it's a win-win for everyone.
0: Yeah. The Rams cutting Gurley's surprise a little bit because I understand the fact that his salary would have been, would have been guaranteed for 2021. But for a team moving to a new stadium, I feel like they need as much star power as possible to fill up seats. And Gurley is a superstar in L.A. Did it surprise you a little bit?
1: You know what? It did, but not a ton because I had heard that things had, had, were going awry with Gurley in the front office. And I think Sean McVay, you know, he, he's known as a player's coach, right? And, and Les Snead is, is a very deliberate general manager. Who's 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 done a very good job compiling that roster. I mean, they they've really gone for it. Whether it's been uh, Tlaib, uh Cooks, you know, going out and and getting uh, some of these players that you know they had to pay a lot for. Dominic Sue that really they felt like they can win Super Bowl with, and they got very close, but their window's still there, right? And and they're paying Jared Goff a ton of money. They 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 don't want to be known as this franchise that uh, feuds with players, and they obviously. You know, another guy they they went out and got was Marcus Peters too. So they they've, they've taken a lot of risks. But with Gurley, like things were starting to go really awry, and you got the feeling that they weren't going to re-sign or they or they that they were going to release him uh, as time went on because it was becoming, you know, almost un, untenable. So I I think it's a little bit of a surprise given how young he is and how talented we know he is, but given the knee issues and the fact that they really need that cap, it does make sense in that regard.
0: Yeah, so Todd Gurley is back in the state of Georgia. He signs with the Falcons. One year, $5 million. Now, I want to move on to the wide receivers here. And we had two big-time bombshell wide receiver trades last week. And I want to get your thoughts on it. First of all, the DeAndre Hopkins trade. I still do not understand it. What are your thoughts on Bill O'Brien trading arguably the best wide receiver in all of football, just 27 years old, for a bad running back contract and a
1: second round pick? Yeah, it, it's really, really bad. And, uh, you know, it's, there's so much to unpack here. There, there's the Bill O'Brien side of it, uh, having way too much control as head coach and Jim. There's the DeAndre Hopkins side of, you know, how bad things must have really gotten between them <laughs> two. Uh, and then there's just like, juxtap- juxtapose it with what Minnesota got back for Stephon Diggs, it's basically twice as much. For a receiver, a very good receiver, but Hopkins is, you know, he's 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 in, he's an incredible player. He's 27. He's in his prime. He's he's been a first team All Pro the last three years. Um, you know, the only the only other player to have been a first team All Pro three years in a row and not play for their team the following year was Jim Brown when he retired. So that gives you a sense of wow. like how rare this is. And then to think about really the lack of return, the lack of a haul. Like I, I mean, David Johnson can be a really good player. Um, you know, when he was right three years ago, he was great. But he is a running back. Uh, he's, he's had injury problems. And, you know, it's a team that desperately needs help for Deshaun Watson. You know, I mean, they, they don't have a true number one receiver now. They have some deep threats, and I like Will Fuller. But they they needed DeAndre Hopkins. Like, he was the guy. And, and, you know, he was the game plan guy. And him and Watson were lethal together. So, the whole move to me is just beyond laughable. And, uh, you know, you think about – the fact that the Cardinals finished 13th in the efficiency last season, well, you now add DeAndre Hopkins to Kyler Murray, to Christian Kirk, Fitzgerald, uh, Kenyon Drake. I mean, that offense is going to be a hell of a lot better. So I, I'm just really confused by the trade. And also as Mike Tannebaum, who, who's done a really good job, um, the former GM of the Jets and Dolphins, and he said, like, what was the rush? He, there's no rush to get this deal done. It was almost like, oh, that's the first thing we heard. We Arizona – gave us this you know hall we're we're just going to take it you know why not talk to other teams see if you really need to trade him why not see and maximize the value And, and they just didn't do it at all
0: no exactly that is exactly my question with the deandre hopkins trade if you are looking to trade him if it is really that bad the relationship is bad he wants a new deal with three years left i get it fine Go and try to trade him. But why not wait until you have a good offer? Look at what the Raiders did with Amari Cooper a couple of years ago. They waited until they got a first-round pick. The Vikings, they waited until they got a good offer for Stephon Diggs. Um, the Giants even with Odell Beckham Jr., they didn't really wait and wait and wait, but they got a first-round pick and a good safety and a third-round pick for Odell Beckham Jr. Percy Harvin, when the Vikings traded him back in the day, they waited, waited, and waited until they got a first-round pick. Trading DeAndre Hopkins at 27 years old for a second-round pick and a bad running back contract. If they wanted David Johnson, they could have gotten him in a separate trade. They didn't have to include him in the deal. So um, it really still does not make sense to me. And um, as I said last week on the podcast, Houston Texans fans have a right to be angry. Now I want to talk about the other trade that happened this last week, and that is Stephon Diggs getting traded from the Vikings to the Buffalo Bills. They get a package that includes a first-round pick. What are your thoughts on Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo?
1: I love it for the Bills because, you know, I mean, Josh Allen has obviously he's, – he's not been an accurate quarterback. Kirk Cousins is not the greatest player. We know that. He has his limitations, but he is very accurate. But now you bring in a guy like Diggs who can make all the catches, is great after the catch. You gave up a lot. A first, a fifth, a sixth-round pick in 2020, a fourth in 2021. But you do get a number one receiver in his prime, and you, you you add him to a pretty good, you know, right receiver room. You know, it's not spectacular, but John Brown and Cole Bleasley are very capable – you have a very good offensive line. It was a top ten offensive line last year. And it's going to instantly add, you know, a, a margin of error and also another deep threat for, for Josh Allen because of how good Diggs is at all three levels. So I'm, I'm excited about this if I'm the Bills. I think, you know, they, they've always kind of been second fiddle, third fiddle in that division, especially with New England. I, I don't think there's any question in my mind the Bills are going to win the AFC East this year and, uh, you know, take advantage of of this trade. You know, they were very close to winning a playoff game in Houston last year. And Josh Allen is still really young. You're, you're just you're giving him an entirely another dimension now with Diggs.
0: Yeah. And I had um, Field Yates on the podcast two weeks ago, and he has been on the Bills for a couple of years now. Ever since Brandon Bean arrived there in Buffalo, he has done a tremendous job. Of adding pieces onto this roster and the way he's doing it, you know, drafting players, developing those players, and then sprinkling in free agents onto the roster where they have holes. Nothing flashy, nothing that makes your eyes pop out and say, wow, they signed him. But these are players who are going to have roles on this roster and we saw them make the playoffs last year. They almost won a playoff game as you mentioned and now they make the big move for Stephon Diggs and their young quarterback Josh Allen who is on his rookie DL now has a true number one wide receiver. Now I want to ask you this, which team or teams, you can name more than one, have really impressed you so far this offseason, whether it's a signing or multiple signings or a trade, whatever it is, who has really impressed you of what they've done so far here this
1: offseason? Yeah, well, Miami's defense has been awesome. I mean, Brian Flores has really, you know, made his mark. I think you think about what Miami has struggled with, well, they haven't been able to stop anybody. So they bring in Kyle Venoy. They bring in Byron Jones, who does everything but get picks. Uh, I think, you know, the fact that Miami's in in the AFC East and and they're going to have to deal with some, you know, Josh Allen throwing the ball over now with Stephon Diggs and the fact that New England's going to be running the ball a ton and, uh, you know, the the Jets have a young quarterback and Sam Darnold. They're going to be lethal defensively, I I think. I think Miami's going to be a top-ten defense, um, and I really like how Brian Flores has made that – uh, Defensive-minded team because they really haven't had an identity, and you know I, I'm fascinated by the Chargers because they, in theory, they still don't have a, a true number one quarterback, but they do have a good band aid, a, a good stopgap, and Tyrod Taylor, um, Tyrod Taylor, who's who's not going to lose you games. They bring in Chris Harris, they bring in Brian Bulaga who can protect. They added Linval Joseph. I just think the Chargers have been uh, have been shrewd, and, and we'll have to see if they go out and get a Cam Newton or, or maybe a Jameis Winston. But I, I do like those moves. Uh, from them, I think the Raiders have made some nice moves defensively. Um, you know, getting Malik Collins, and, and I just, you know, these are not like the sexiest moves, but these are the moves that start to build identity and um, you know start to create wins.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the Chargers. We also um, said earlier on in the podcast they traded for Trey Turner from Carolina. They re-signed Austin Eckler, who was huge for them last year. Franchise-tagged Hunter Henry. So seeing general manager Tom Telesco make moves aggressive moves early on in free agency is something that we really haven't seen much out of him during his tenure as Chargers GM. So um, kind of unusual, but um, pretty good moves on paper to say the least. Quarterback is still something they have to figure out, but there, there is the draft for that and they could obviously also make a trade as we've talked about. Now on, on the flip side, is there a team out there that has been a disappointment so far this offseason that really hasn't done much for your expectations when the offseason started?
1: Well, Houston trading Hopkins, it was as, – as we talked about, Ari, it was just – it was so beyond words to me. Like, I, I actually thought it was a joke when I when I saw the, the return. I, I could not believe that's what they got. Um, so, that that would be one. Houston, for sure. I think uh, if you look at um, the, the NFC East with Philadelphia, um, to, to not pay Malcolm Jenkins that money was, was strange to me. Uh, I'm still confused as to the direction Washington wants to go. I don't think they really believe fully – that Dwayne Haskins is the guy, uh, they have a ton of holes on that team. And, uh, you know, if you think about um, the Jets, too, like I, I talked about Sam Darnold. They, they actually played pretty good football down the stretch last year. They ended up winning seven games. They salvaged the season. But he, they, don't ha- they haven't helped him at all. You know, I, I, I'm just not sure why they haven't gone out and really got him another weapon. I, I like Joe Douglas. I think the jets have a, uh, a i think he's the right guy, but you know unless they think all in on the draft and draft a couple receivers, which i'm not going to still do um, I'm surprised that they haven't really made a a dent in uh and either getting a, a really good tight in or going out and getting a weapon for uh in terms of a speed guy for darnold
0: right the jets actually they they made some offensive line moves, but nothing you know nothing big like obviously Scherf was tagged and um Thune was tagged, but after that they've signed a bunch of like guys who are maybe starters but not for sure so they're fringe
1: guys fringe Fringe guys guys. exactly
0: exactly so um, as you said I do like Joe Douglas he's trying to build up the offensive line the weapons he has not done anything Robbie Anderson is still a free agent so we'll see if he brings him back but um from there really they haven't added much in terms of weapons for Sam Darnold who again he's on his rookie contract this is the time to build around him absolutely
1: and and at some point like you know, with Darnold, I know he's been battered, and I appreciate the line help, but it's not enough for me to say, "Wow, they may, they're really going to help to keep him keep him standing up and keep him upright." And then, you know, I'm I'm just just surprised. And, and the, the big one for them looming at some point is going to be Jamal, Jamal Adams because uh, I love Jamal's game. I think he's the best young defensive player in the league, and if they, they better pay him, all right, they they have no option there, and, and I hope they know that.
0: How shocked were you last year when they were talking about possibly trading him?
1: Beyond, beyond. And, and there's some, uh, I can't share it now, but there is some intel there that it will make you even more surprised. I was stunned. And um, I'll tell you what, the Jets have been, you know, irrelevant for a really long time. And they, Jamal Adams could be the face of that franchise. I mean, obviously, Darnold is, but Adams could be that guy. He wants to be in New York. He loves the, the hustle of New York. The fans love him. And and they need to rally behind him and be like, okay, you want to be here? Let's make this work and make everyone happy. And they just haven't done it yet.
0: Yeah, right. And I actually had a chance to talk to Jamal's marketing guy because I wanted to get Jamal on the podcast. And I was telling him, like, the reason I want to get your your client on the podcast is because He is not only one of the most likable guys on the Jets, he's one of the most likable guys in the entire NFL. Like everyone who you talk to or players around the league, they all love Jamal Adams. The guy, the player, the way he plays, the way he handles himself. And as you said, I was shocked that they were even considering to move him because he is a cornerstone for that franchise. And like I can't even imagine what the reaction would be in New York if the Jets were to trade him.
1: If if that happened, that would be, oh, I mean, you know, if you thought Hopkins getting dealt, you know, is bad, if, at least you know there were issues internally there. There's no issues with Adams. The locker room, uh, you know, the the way he plays, the fans, like everybody, everybody feels like he's the future of that team. And and with with Hopkins, at least, you know, there, there were some problems. They they still have Deshaun Watson. At least they have like a semblance. But with with Adams, like he's the guy, and and he's such a New York. You're right. He's very likable and. I would be really disappointed if I'm a Jet fan if if they don't make that work.
0: Absolutely, for sure. And I know they're having extension talks, but I'm not really sure where that stands. And if they are anywhere close to a new deal, I guess only time will tell. Now, lastly, Jordan, and again, I really appreciate you coming on here today on the podcast. Every season in the NFL, there are four or five or even six teams that made the playoffs the previous year and do not make the playoffs the next year? I know it's early to ask this question, but is there a team in the NFL that did not make the playoffs in 2019, but you think will turn it around in 2020 and make a push for a playoff spot?
1: Yeah, Um, Cowboys, Tampa, uh, Arizona. I mean, I I go back to Arizona. You know, if you watched them last year, there there were times like when they went into Seattle where you just said, you know, this this can be a a playoff team really soon. I mean, they're – they're not that far away. Defensively, they get to the ball. I think Kyler Murray is going to be a really good player. So I I'm, I really like them. I mean, going back to Cleveland, like it just feels as if now that Freddie Kitchens is gone, that they can be stable again. And I think a lot of Baker's issues were on Freddie Kitchens. Uh, I'm not sure what percentage I would break it down as, but I hated the play calling all year. Um, mm-hmm. they, they had no rhythm. Uh, I seem like Mayfield was consistently unsure, you know, what read to make, what throw to make. I go back to that San Francisco Monday night game when they got blitzed where he just, that was the story of the whole season. You know, he, he never yeah. really got in a rhythm. So if Cleveland can get back to steady play calling, they have really good running backs. Um, you know, they're a ton of weapons. They're, you know, they've obviously brought in Austin Hooper. I, I just, I don't see why the Browns can't can't be competitive. I think that division um, is is going to be tough because of Baltimore and Pittsburgh, but there's no reason why the Browns can't flip six and ten to ten and six. I mean, they have so much talent. That that would be a team that like that's like an obvious pop. Annapolis, I think, went seven nine last year. I, I think with Phillip Rivers, he's worth three wins. So, you know, ten and six for them. Um, awesome. I'm trying to think of like a team that's that's so far back that you would say, you know, they can they really pop? I guess Arizona. I mean, they won. They were they were five ten and one. I think Arizona is a bare minimum an eight win team.
0: Yeah, and bringing up the Field Yates interview once again that I did two weeks ago here on the podcast, I asked him a very similar question, and he answered the Colts, and that was before they added DeForest Buckner and before they added Philip Rivers, and I answered the Cardinals, and that was before they robbed DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans, so we're all on the same page with those teams. Jordan, I really appreciate you taking the time here today. Stay safe out there. Keep on breaking news on what's going on in the NFL, and we'll chat soon.
1: My pleasure, Ari. Thank you.
0: A big thank you to Jordan Schultz for joining me on this week's My Sports Update Football Podcast. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. It is at Schultz underscore report that does it for this week's my sports update football podcast free agency is still going on it is not as chaotic as last week but things are still happening and the my sports update twitter page is the best way to keep track of everything happening also please make sure to rate review and subscribe to this podcast the my sports update football podcast all of that is greatly appreciated and lastly I hope you're all staying safe, staying indoors, washing your hands, doing what the experts are telling you to do as we try to get through this coronavirus pandemic. I am your host, Ari Merov. I'll be back for another episode next week. Until then, so long, stay safe, and we'll talk next week.